Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Sportlight Podcast. On this week's Sportlight Podcast, we're going to address abuse with Dr. Sheldon Martin. We're going to talk about how coaches and parents and fellow teammates could help people who may be experiencing this horrible thing in their life. Welcome to the Sportlight Podcast for parents, coaches, and athletes. The Sportlight refers to the time in an athlete's life when they have increased ability to affect the culture around them and the increased opportunity to learn life's lessons through sports. This podcast aims to help parents and coaches capitalize on their athletes' precious time in the Sportlight. The Sportlight Podcast is brought to you by Especially for Athletes program. Hey, Sheldon, how are you? I'm great. How are you? Good. Thank you so much for taking time with us and addressing this really important topic of abuse. A while back, you and I in a conversation, you said, hey, I would love to have an opportunity sometime to talk about the role that coaches and parents and fellow athletes of young people might play in helping to, to protect children, to prevent abuse and, and help those who've experienced abuse to heal. And so first off, just first question, why did it come to your mind to think of coaches and parents of athletes and fellow teammates when it came to this topic of abuse? Yeah, thanks. It's a great question. When you back up and look at, you know, what is abuse, right? And when we look in society, people will use different definitions and it can become a very unique conversation when we're not even using the same definition. But when you really identify and say abuse is the mistreatment or neglect of others in ways that causes harm, whether that's physically, emotionally, or sexually, uh, usually the conversation changes and everyone, yes, like that should not happen. And when children or, or, or athletes and, and young people, teenagers, um, when if they are the victim of abuse, they will often, if they find the courage to tell someone, they'll tell someone they trust. And that can be a coach. Um, and that it can also be a parent um, if it is uh, happening outside of the home. And so because coaches and parents are in these very important roles where they may be the one that the youth talks to, the person talks to, the athlete speaks with the first time. I think it's helpful that we know how to respond. Yeah, I love what you said, because I know looking throughout my life, some of the most trusted people in my life were the Kent Bothwells, the <laughs> Gary Phelps, the Bill Paxtons. I'm grateful that I was brought up in such a way that I never experienced abuse. But I think if I ever were to experience those things in my own home, or, or something like that, I knew I had trusted adults. And these coaches of these athletes are often some of the most trusted people in their life, especially if they're having a tough time at home. Can I ask you a question just to kind of lead off here? You said they'll often tell a coach or a parent. And I want to throw in here the, you know, maybe a teammate's parent. Absolutely. Yeah. Right? Or a teammate. Or a teammate, right? Mm -hmm. They're in someone else's house and they have a tough home life and they always like to visit their friend and and their family. And then they get to know those parents. And then those parents become a trusted adult in their life. And that happens very frequently with teams as well. 
but you you said that they they want to tell somebody what does research show like because sometimes it doesn't seem often that a teenager will come and just walk up to an adult and say I am being abused right, right. and so they might be more subtle about it and just kind of almost gauge how is this person willing to help me kind of a thing. What, what would coaches expect? How would a player approach a coach? I'm sure there's a variety of ways, but you get what I'm saying. Yeah, they would. Many times um, an athlete would try to give a hint. They're afraid to tell someone many times. And, and um, they might make a comment like, man, I just, I hate it when I have to go home after practice. Right. That very, very simple statement. That doesn't mean that that athlete is being abused, but I, I think it's a, an indicator where a coach may say, why, what's up? You know, you don't have, you don't have to go too far down the road. We're just saying they're, they're feeling it out. Say, why, what's going on? Right. And and if they feel that this person's going to listen to me, they may share a little bit more. Um, that's often uh, how they will introduce a topic. They'll announce kind of an environment and say, oh, it's it's not how it is for me or I don't want to go back there. Um, and I, I suppose because this does happen. It could be the same way if your child is at home and with practice and not because, oh, it's just a hard practice and we're running a lot, but there may, there are situations that come up in a locker room or, you know, it's horrific, but that happen between coaches and players. And if the child is kind of saying, you know, I don't know, I, I don't want to go there. And it, that's a little bit of a shock to you. It's important to kind of say, why? Just tell me more. What's going on? Yeah. Right. That's how they feel it out most of the time. Yeah. Even little comments, maybe if I'm understanding you correctly, like, uh, man, my coach kind of creeps me out. You know, yeah. that might be they're They're begging for that question. Like, why? You know, why does your coach creep you out? Mm -hmm. Um yeah, that, that's really, really good. So, so what are some of the, there are those times where players will come to a coach or to a parent of, to their parent or the parent of one of their teammates and say something like that. And if I'm hearing you correctly, it's just the simple thing to do is not overreact, not do anything like that, but just maybe ask some more questions. Like, tell me about that. Why do they creep you out? Or Hey, why are you hesitant to go home? And and then have a conversation, make sure that all is well. Is there any other things that you would have our coaches maybe look for? What else? How else can we identify when this might be happening in, happening in a kid's life? Yeah. So if you notice a sudden, just immediate change. Um, in, in an athlete's life, when I say their mood changes, it's so drastic that, that you, you take notice, right? Mm -hmm. It's, it's not, they're just in a bad mood or they're lazy that day. You, you really take notice like, well, that's, that doesn't seem like Johnny, right? That doesn't seem like Kelly. It's just, it's, it's, it's sharp. 
um, that is uh, an indicator that there's something traumatic that's happened in someone's life, often abuse. That would be one. Um, if there are behaviors that you notice uh, around an individual that are a, a little, uh, a little it makes you a little suspicious, things like um, giving really special treatment, giving um, high value gifts, um, telling, you know, um, if you hear of threats of someone saying, no one's going to believe you if you do that. Um, that is a very toxic relationship, regardless of what is happening, and that should be kind of a red flag. And so if there was another adult involved uh, that was giving real special attention um, to one of your athletes, it, it, it should cause a little bit of curiosity to say, hey, you know what, <laughs> why'd you buy him new cleats? Like what's what's going on there? No one else on the team, right? You didn't do that if that were like a coach, for example, um, or if a parent is insistent on um, being involved and around at a point, not just to be an overprotective parent of and wants their child to have more playing time type thing, but they they don't want that child to be alone with other adults for the potential of sharing something. Um, those are things to kind of look for, right? If it's a little bit off to you, just trust your instinct on that one because many times something is off. Yeah. Yeah. Cause there's definitely times where you have charitable, wonderful people, for example, with a less fortunate kid who buys them new cleats. And that's not what you're, what you're no. talking about. You're talking that's about right. this extraordinary attention that seems to be given because I, I have a lot of compassion for coaches, especially high school coaches. You know, they don't get paid a lot to coach their high school teams. And then they form their staff with people who are willing to basically volunteer to be high school coaches or, or whatever it might be, whatever level there. And, and so what you're saying right now might be very valuable for a coach because no head coach, for example, would want on their watch one of their assistants to abuse one of their players or something like that. And then, so that might be very helpful in that setting to even to have a coach like just, hey, I just want to talk to you about something. Do you understand how much attention you're paying to so-and-so? You know, it might be even just questioning the optics of it could have someone who may have some things in mind pull back, you know, like, I don't know if you know what this looks like, but this is what it looks like. And this is, you're giving some people this impression. Um, and yeah. some might be offended by that, but way better than having it go to the other end. If that's where it could have gone. Absolutely. It's very, it's a good preventative practice. And I know, um, Shad, you know, you and I have been around sports our whole lives and I know that the coaches are asked so much. I mean, they're, they, they just volunteer their time and ask so much, but there's a couple of good rules to, to, to have. Um, it's not good to have any adult coach and player alone. Right. I mean, even, even if nothing happened, but if someone makes an accusation and they're both vulnerable, right. And so a group, a group of players with the position coach. Okay. Right. I mean, it just adds protection to your, 
to your coaches, or it's an open field. Everyone can see. But if, if you have situations where you have uh, coaches uh, alone with one player a lot, that, that, that just puts everyone at a very vulnerable spot. So I would, I would just organize, you know, training sessions, practices in a way that um, no accusation or no behavior is going to be um, isolated and alone or in an open space where not everyone can see. I think that's a good thing to do. So you could have uh, some pretty clear rules that would be helpful. Coach, um, don't touch the players. Oh, I, I was just showing them how to uh, get down on a ground ball. Yeah, just stand in front of them and demonstrate, <laughs> model it. Just it's it's not a good practice to to to, to touch players, right? I mean, and and to physically adjust and and to move. It's not good for coaches to be alone with players, right? We, um, I, I hate to use this example, but it was a pretty clear one. Uh, we learned that with the U.S. gymnastics team, right? The the young ladies going in there felt like, oh, it's it's the doctor. It, it, they're this is what I'm supposed to do for my rehab, right? If other people were in the room, it would have been another level of protection, right? It would have just been a safer environment for young athletes. If there are excessive private communications. You know, teams can communicate through group texts or multiple messages, but a lot of one-on-one interaction and dialogue, that should be a little bit of a red flag. Even if it's not at a level of uh, abusive, it's it's at minimum inappropriate, right? For, For an adult, it's not the parent, they're a coach, just excessive communication to a young athlete alone, um, or privately, um, it's a little bit of a red flag, right? That the parent at minimum should be involved. Um, and so I think those are kind of some things to look for, to make sure that that the isolation is not occurring and that physical touch is not the the standard in in coaching sports and and then the excessive time and and all those things i think those that would be the advice that i would give yeah often with youth in whatever capacity even with church groups the boy scouts of america you know there's that too deep leadership right just that yeah. safety that comes from from having multiple adults there and that's that's super super helpful you know sheldon some people may be hesitant because we live in a day and an age where you are guilty until proven innocent sometimes. Right. And so I think that could lead to some people feeling a hesitancy to even have a conversation with people about these things, or a young person might feel a hesitancy when they feel like, man, something's going on with my teammate and they worry that it might be an abusive situation of any type. There might be this hesitancy to report or to talk with or to address. I'm sure we all feel that in these situations. Would you speak to that for a second? What would you say to those who may be aware of a situation that something's just sitting wrong with them, with a player on their team or a teammate of one of our children or a teammate of, you know, for our young people, one of their teammates? 
And they just sense something's wrong, but they're so afraid to have that awkward conversation. So they don't. What would you say to that? Yeah, well, the first thing, it's it's never wrong to just ask someone directly. Right. And you can do it in a way you don't have to say abuse. Um, um, you can, but maybe you could just say, hey, listen, it seems like something's off. Is everything okay at home or at school? Is everything all right? Are, are you safe? And if they say, yeah, yeah, coach, I'm sorry. I'm just, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm failing calculus and I don't know how to, it's just affecting my whole life. Okay, great. I mean, either way, you're going to get kind of a, probably a pretty good answer, right? Yeah. Um, and yes, they have the opportunity maybe to not tell the, the full truth, but you're asking, you're asking very directly. You've opened so, the door. You've opened like, the door. Like mm-hmm. if it, like they know, okay, you've opened up this line of cut, even if they don't react awesomely the first time or share everything the first time or whatever. Yeah. They at least know that there's now this, this door open if they ever need to talk about it. Yeah, absolutely. But then I would, I would, at another level, um, I would never, ever, never once dismiss a report of abuse. That should be the standard. If an athlete comes to you and says, my dad, is um, doing X. You you need to take that seriously and report it. A lot of people feel like, oh, but if I report, like, what about this or what about that? Um, when you look at the statistics of it, especially in our society, I mean, you you really do have to have evidence. So you you really do. It's it's going to have to be something that is happening uh, for it to move down the road. If that makes sense, mm-hmm. there are there are times when people have made uh, reports to DCFS, you know, and they make them often, and there's nothing there, and it just kind of dies off, and and that happens. That happens often, and it, it's something where I think many people feel that like there's going to be a celebrity smear campaign or something uh, uh, against them, and. And the reality is with, with youth and youth sports, and that's just not how it works. If someone reports abuse to you, um, you need to report it. And um, the, the, the folks that will look at that and take serious, many times the report will come in and there's, there's just not, there, there's nothing there. There's nothing they can do. And so I, I, I wouldn't want coaches and adults and parents to feel like they needed to be the filter, right? That they, well, let me see, is he... Is he telling the truth? Is he right? Because they can go through that filter. They don't want to be wrong um, about that. And and the the good folks that really do investigate these things, they do a great job. And there really has to be something there for them to pursue it. So you know, I don't think you need to worry about ruining someone's life unintentionally, because I'll tell you, Shad, the there's a there's a worse scenario. Um, where someone doesn't report it because they don't want to ruin a dad's life. And the athlete, the young, the child, they're still hanging on to it when they're in their 30s and 40s because no one called. Yeah. And that's the worst case, right? Yeah. And if I hear you correctly, Sheldon, like, of course, if we see outright abuse, you just report it. You report it. That's right. But, But we're also talking about 
I think just reporting it off of a whim and to avoid a conversation <laughs> might not be, you know, where what I mean is you're suspecting, is there something going on in that home? Is there, you know, yep. I think it would be a good idea to at least have as a practice be, hey, can I talk to you for a second? Yep. I'll be honest. I am worried about you. Is everything okay at home? And and I've, I've seen bruises on you, or I've seen you down a lot lately, or I've seen, and I've noticed that you don't like going home. You've made comments about that. Are you okay? Are you safe at home? Or you see a kid even emaciated, you know, that it, sometimes it's not even on purpose, but I've, I've dealt in my career with a few kids who parents of had some serious drug issues and all the money in the house was going to feed that habit and not much of it was going toward feeding the children, you know, and so it might be someone, you know, looking skinny, um, emaciated or, or whatever it might be. Having a conversation, I think is a important thing to do. And we aren't talking about just going into a baseball game being like, Hey, that kid, Oh, that kid doesn't look at his dad very much. I'll call DCFS. You know, right, like, that's not what we're talking like, about. We're talking about these situations where over, we have felt something's wrong, yeah. and um, and it's good to have that conversation. And then if we suspect or learn from that, don't be afraid to report it, and definitely don't hide it. You know, a parent who's done something like that to their child, or you know, a fellow coaching staff member that's done that to their wife, they, they don't need protection. They need consequences. They need like those people who've been abused are the, the ones victim needs worried. protection. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think it's a good summary. If you suspect something, ask someone directly. Like, right. If I, if I called you, you know, as my brother, I'm like shatter, is everything okay? Are you safe? Right. that's only kind. I don't think people take that as judgmental, right? right? Like even if there wasn't anything going on, I think it's a good thing to do. If you have someone report it to you, tell you, 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 you need to, you need to report it. You need to tell the authorities. That's your obligation as a citizen. Yeah. Right. Um, Not, it's not your job to carry the weight of it. They told you, 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 you know, report it. And then if you witness it, yes, absolutely um report it um i think that's a good kind of umbrella framework to say okay that we can do that in our sports program and i think this is so important you know we have for example not that this never happens to young men that's not what i'm saying at all but you know we have young women these coaches who coach young women and you know there is sometimes this um, danger of sexual assault and things like that, that happen or over controlling meaning like stalking type situations of, of boyfriends and things like that. And there are coaches who may witness things that are concerning. So take me to that situation. Let's say, let's say it's a, a girls basketball coach, girls softball coach. And I'm not implying that this could never happen to, to young men or anything like that. And, and they see that 
situation where they just view a very unhealthy relationship, you know, between a, a girl and a boy or something like that. Of course, everything we've talked about right now may apply. Is there anything you would add to that particular situation that that coaches, parents, teammates might look for? Yeah, I think so. Um, so unfortunately, here would be a scenario that would should be a red flag for a coach. A teenage boyfriend showing up to a teenage um, girl's practice and, and being controlling about that space, controlling about what time she goes to practice and dropping her off late or being there and being upset that they're not done with practice and wanting her to leave with him or, you know, yelling at each other when they get into the car. Those, those are behaviors that at 16, 17, 14, 15, right? They just should not be occurring. It's way too much um, control. And a young man, for example, that is excessively controlling in that way, which may not sound like it's excessively controlling, but when you put it at the age group, it is, right? They're, they're trying to manage their schedule, their time, their hobbies, um, that is a very, uh, can be a very dangerous situation. Well, um, even the, Hey, the team's getting together, but so-and-so is never there because she's always, yes. you know, her boyfriend gets mad at her. And, and of course this might not be something where you say, okay, that's it. I'm calling the police. This kid won't let the girl come to a, a team party. But, but it's one of those eyes up, do the work situation where you recognize something <laughs> And a coach is in a trusted position to be able to say, yeah. hey, can I talk to you about something? A few of us have noticed something and we would like to bring it to your attention and, and see what you're feeling. Make sure you're OK, because I think some kids, they're so immature that they don't even realize that that's not a normal relationship. Yeah. Does that make sense? <laughs> like, yeah, often, oftentimes in high school, for sure, it, it's their first relationship. So they're not sure what normal is. Right. Um, and, but as adults, right, we can we can notice some behaviors that like, whoa, like that you should not be carrying that level of emotional weight in a relationship at 16. Yeah. And and we could be a real protection um, and, and help in that area. So that would be definitely a red flag where I would talk to the player at minimum players, parents, probably I players, mean, parents. Absolutely. Hey, I'm just seeing something. It's concerning me. I don't know if it's concerning you or not, but this is just yeah. something that's a little bit concerning that I've seen. And then tell them some of the behaviors that, that you may have seen that are concerning. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, absolutely. Well, Sheldon, thanks. I know this isn't like the most bubbly of all topics. And in no way in doing this topic did, did we say, okay, we want to do this because a bunch of coaches are abusing kids. You know, it's actually our incredible coaches donate so much time and energy to these kids and the kids know they love them and they're in positions of trust. And so having just a conversation about this, man, maybe with all the people who listen to this and all the coaches we talk to, that especially for athletes, if a coach hears this and thinks, 
huh. And then a player comes to mind that they've been seeing some of these things we've been talking about in and they're able to address it. That would be so helpful. And we just, we know that these coaches are in an, in an incredible position of trust and have a lot of power that they could use for good um, to help kids when they're in the most difficult of situations. So thank you. Any last words you would say anything on your mind that maybe you were hoping to say that, that I didn't ask you? You know, I've had a few private conversations with coaches that have been towards the end of their career and there are highlights right in any career. And some of those are, are players that played for you and they went on to do great things in athletics or great things, you know, in, in their studies and career, um, or they grew a ton um, uh, and became a, a wonderful person. But I'm amazed at how many also reflect on one of the greatest things they felt they could accomplish was that they were able to protect uh, a child who really needed a strong, competent adult to be their voice. And so I would just encourage coaches that um, maybe those in mid-career or just starting, the ones I've spoken with at the end of their career, they look back and the fact that they were proactive about making sure their athletes were safe um, was as rewarding as any win or any individual accomplishment of any athlete. Sheldon, thank you. And oftentimes, you know, as I deal with teenagers, I love opening the door right from the beginning. <laughs> and maybe this is my closing thought as I listen to this, just to tell kids, you know, you, you have your team for the first time and, hey, we're going to do a lot together. We're going to learn to play some baseball together. We're going to win together. We're going to lose together. We're going to laugh together. We're going to cry together. I can't wait for this experience. I just want you to know something else as well. I love you. I love you. And I'm another person in your life that if you ever need anything, if anything wrong is going on in your life, anything you need help with that I could help with, I want you to know I'm one more adult in your life that will help you if you're ever in trouble or in need. And I just want you to know you can trust me with that. So if anyone's ever needing anything, please know I feel like that's one of my most important roles as your coach. So let's have a great season. You know, even opening that door from the beginning will help maybe some kids approach that have wanted to approach people for years, but haven't had the opportunity. But if there is a kid that was struggling through with some of the things we've been talking about or other things that we've talked about with you in the past, suicidal ideation, anxiety, depression, these things, opening that door might might save a life and help a kid. And so I sure appreciate you being willing to address these topics with us and, and help us to help others. You bet. Thank you for the invitation. Yep. Well, thank you everybody for joining the Sportlight Podcast. Eyes up, do the work. This has been the Sportlight Podcast from Especially for Athletes, sponsored by Coca-Cola. You can learn more about Especially for Athletes by visiting the website at especiallyforathletes.org. You can also learn more about the book, The Sportlight, by Shad Martin and Dustin Smith at especiallyforathletes.org slash book.